0: Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out deep into your retirement or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
1: Welcome to the Money Answers Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kelly Wright. He is the editor of Investment Quality Trends, which is a newsletter about high-quality stocks. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. Just
2: do a little bit of a background of of how you got to where you are today. Um, Started in the financial business back in uh, 1985 as a good old-fashioned registered rep with a private little boutique in La Jolla. Um, Then went on to uh, Dean Witter, the old Dean Witter Reynolds. Um, Was there for a few years and decided that I really preferred the advisory side of the business rather than the sell side and started um, a registered investment advisory. And in 2002, I got the opportunity to meet um, Geraldine Weiss, who was the founder of Investment Quality Trends. And um, our relationship progressed to the point where she asked me to take over for her and so here I am today. And you also did a book called Dividends Don't Lie, right? Um, I did Dividends Still Don't Lie. That uh, was okay. published in 2010, correct?
1: Indeed, yes.
2: So before we get into the,
1: the details, just kind of give us the overall um, style and methodology behind picking stocks and investment quality trends.
2: Okie doke. So first off, we're, we're very uh, much a, a value oriented, uh, dividend centric um, publication. We have a, uh, a qualitative filter of, of six actually really simple criterions that um, go back to the old uh, uh, Graham and Dodd days. And we use that filter to filter out all but oh, roughly 300 stocks from the S&P 500. And then we take a look at each one of them individually and have found that, that stocks that meet our criteria <clears throat> pardon me, tend to trade between two repetitive areas of dividend yield. So one where their price is low and their yield is high, and then the other where their price is high and their yield is low. And so what we have found, Jordan, is that we can uh, determine the optimum places to buy, hold, and sell stocks to get the maximum uh, capital appreciation, but also to collect the dividends and dividend increases along the way. So um, I would say that's pretty much sums it up. What are the six criteria that you use to screen stocks? Just briefly. <laughs> uh, what we do is we look at uh, earnings persistency and dividend increases persistency. We want to see institutional sponsorship. We look at liquidity measures, meaning how many shares they have outstanding. Uh, most importantly, though, Jordan, is that the stocks must have 25 years of uninterrupted dividends. And that's what really, that's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, because any company that can maintain their products or services in the mind of the consumer and they can continue to um increase their earnings and increase their dividends along that time and and everything that the market and the economy and politics and what have you is going to throw at you um that's what we're really interested in is just really competent companies that perform over a very long period of time yeah
1: now you say you're a value investor Uh, Value investing has been out of favor for a very long time, maybe a decade or more. Um, I mean, even this year, the stocks that have been leading the charge have been the high-tech mega cap names that are certainly not value names. Are you missing out on something here by being a value investor in a growth world?
2: Not really. I mean, if you look at, uh, we don't keep our own performance records because, we don't think that that's objective. So we look to somebody like the Holbert Ratings, that's run by Mark Holbert, who's yep. followed us since January one of nineteen eighty six, and over that time we've had an average annual return of about eleven and a quarter percent. So um, I think that holds up pretty well over that time period. So yeah, there might be times where. The market prefers the go-go nifty-fifty. Actually, I would call them the Magnificent Seven right now. Right, um, But that's um, that's okay. We, we seem to hold our own regardless.
1: So why do you think that growth has been doing better than value in this environment with Fed raising interest rates?
2: It's sexy. Um, and Wall Street has a... Um, a history of, of falling in love with, um, you know, the, the current thing de jour. Um, you, you, you can go way, way back and look at uh, all the different uh, fads and manias, and, et cetera. And AI has caught everybody's attention now. Um, I, I think it's kind of interesting, Jordan, if you look at just a couple of years ago where everybody was in love with, you know, the cloud Yes. and you know, well, most of those quote-unquote cloud companies are now rebranded as AI companies, and so, um, you know, folks they love the the latest greatest thing. It's it's sexy, it's hot. Your neighbors probably hear about it, talk about it, but um, yeah, we're we're just comfortable with sticking with our knitting um because we we think that competency and consistency is really important over the long term what tends to happen to investors
1: who chase the latest fads as you said cloud two or three years ago now ai
2: how does the story normally end for them in tears In tears. (laughs) (laughs) i mean not 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 to to be humorous about it because losing money is an emotional thing um you know, our we really have a, a philosophy, which is we think that the, the sole purpose of investing is to re, um, realize a, a consistent return on investment. And, you know, there, there's nothing more consistent really than dividend payments because um, they have to be voted on by the board of directors. You know, they, they have a a, a declaration date, an X date, and a pay date, and you know there's no guarantees in the stock market, but there are some things that have um, some consistency that you can look to, and uh, dividends is one of those. And you know, and, and dividends also help us uh, ed- identify value or what we call value, which is the the lowest risk area to get into a stock that has the maximum upside for, you know, capital appreciation and further dividend increases.
1: So you're buying the stocks or recommending buying them when their uh, prices are low and their yields are high because they're out of favor one way or the other. Is that basically the idea?
2: Yeah, that's basically it. Um, I mean, we're talking about really high quality companies. That have very very long-term track records of performance um, and excellence and you know I I don't know always the reasons why they're out of favor Um, it could be the sector is out of favor it could be that maybe there is something going on with that company specifically Um, if it is it's usually short-lived and they cure it so you know, I don't want to disparage anyone, but, but you know, we, we typically find the, um, the redheaded stepchildren, so to speak, <laughs> that the market has abandoned. And um, we like to buy them when their prices are low and their yields are high because they've got really great um, upside. Well, let me
1: give you a current example, um, which is in the phone business. Uh, AT&T and Verizon both have paid dividends for a long time are very much out of favor. The stocks have been falling sharply. Is that the kind of thing that would be of interest to you when they're everybody hates
2: them? Um, normally, but in those two instances, you know, one of our criterions is a um, CFRA uh, quality ranking that has to be B plus or higher. So both AT&T and Verizon, they were in our pages at one time, but when their quality rankings declined below B plus, uh, we move them to a, a section that we call the faded blue chips, which um, means we're we're not recommending them and and we're not holding them. so so that's
1: your warning sign that things aren't going well when they get below B plus by CFRA.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, not always a an absolute, but it's been a good enough of an indicator that there there's something going on. and and you know those two stocks in particular, um, I've kind of likened them to, you know, the, the, there's always that kid in the neighborhood when he's walking down the street, and there, there may be a puddle, which is obvious, and it's easy to sidestep it or leap over it, but both of them tend to find a way to land right square in the middle of the puddle, and, and obviously what I'm referring to is the getting outside of their, their bailiwick and what they're really competent Uh, with, which is the wireless business, which is a phenomenal franchise, uh, because everybody is connected, and if they would just concentrate on that, they would be just fabulous.
1: But they they get into media, and they got into other things that kind of distracted them and brought them down. I mean, I guess the latest problem is these old wires with lead and all that, people are worried this is going to be a huge liability uh, for those, particularly, particularly AT&T, I guess.
2: Yep, that's uh, lively in everybody's awareness right now, and um, yeah, we're going to have to see where that one goes, but it doesn't look good right now.
1: Yes. Uh, beginning of one of your recent newsletters, you talked about how Wall Street uses promotion to tap into consumer
2: hot buttons. Just talk briefly about that. It's just, you know, Wall Street is extremely um, well-versed at, at finding the emotional hot buttons that uh, piques investors' interest. And uh, they, you know, there, there, there was a recent uh, headline in, in Barron's that says, um, that read, you know, this bull has legs. Now, <clears throat> that's a very old publication, and uh, the, their bona fides have been well-established. So what happens with your average investors, they they look at someone, you know, uh, like that and they have uh, some gravitas, so to speak. And when they use words like legs and time to run, what that suggests is continuity and that, you know, a trend is going to continue uh, indefinitely. Um, And so... You know, your, your average investor that probably is real busy doing what it is, is, is they do in life, um, see something like that and they go, oh, yeah, wow, new bull market, time to jump in, let's go. Yeah. Okay, very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this
1: is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kelly Wright. He is the editor of Investment Quality Trends Newsletter. You can find out more at his website, iqtrends.com. We'll be back after this.
3: Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again.
4: It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time.
3: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
0: You've been listening to the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Well, the Money Answer Show, this is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kelly Wright. He's the editor of Investment Quality Trends, a newsletter about investing in dividend-oriented stocks. Their website, iqtrends.com. Welcome back to the show, Kelly. Thank you so much. Let's look at the overall situation here. We've had the Federal Reserve raising rates 10 times, uh, likely to do it again. Do you think they're about to finish raising rates, and did they do the right thing?
2: Well, I don't think they're done, um, but they're the only one that seems to be, you know, really uh, cognizant of that. Uh, The the market obviously thinks that – you know, the Fed, Fed has done. I mean, I, I don't think they've got a lot more left to do. I, I do believe they're going to stay up here higher longer uh, because, I mean, inflation looks to be pretty sticky. I, I know it's come down from its highs, but, um, you know, what What the Fed is calling their target and then where inflation is now, there's still a pretty big divide there. So I I think it's going to take some more work and some more time for them to get to, you know, what they want to see in, in terms of numbers. Did they do the right thing? Wow. Okay. Um, it's an interesting institution. Um, the Fed's usually reactive instead of proactive. Uh, and they tend to let things go too far in either direction. Um, they either let things get too hot and then they come in with the hammer and then uh, they stay a little too long usually. So um, I think they could have gotten done, they could have gotten started a long time ago. I think they stayed easy way too long. Um, They created this environment that fostered just ravenous you know yield speculation Uh, they forced a lot of people into uh, an asset class which is equities that they normally wouldn't have probably ventured into because they were more comfortable with fixed income Um, and they created an environment that you can buy stocks with impunity because You know, the Fed's always ready to step in and have your back and protect the markets in case anything goes haywire. So, um, you know, things got a little crazy. Valuations are the highest they've been, and that that includes 1929 and 2000, which, uh, you know, if you understand history, those were pretty crazy times. So... um, we, we've got an environment that they're going to have to cool off a bit, I think.
1: Now, normally when interest rates rise as much as they have, and this is probably the fastest they've increased since maybe 1994 or so, that would be bad for high-yielding stocks. Rising interest rates, they're almost like bond proxies to some extent. So has that happened as the Fed has raised rates over the last year and a half or so that it's been bad for high-yielding stocks?
2: Well, there's there's yields that are outside what I would call the norm, um, which I think got chased early on. And I think folks are kind of backing off from them. But, you know, when you have a normal yield curve where you can buy, quote unquote, risk free treasuries and the interest rate is competitive with dividends. Yeah, it's um, it is competition for the stock market. And if you look at – if you take away the Magnificent Seven, um, you know, the rest of the market that's really not exactly setting the world on fire. So outside of those seven, you know, glamour, you know, tech techie kind of names, <clears throat> pardon me, um, you, you don't see a lot of love uh, for the rest of the market.
1: Yeah. So what is the case – Today, we have an inverted yield curve. We've got long-term rates much lower than short-term rates. The Fed—you think they're going to raise rates more than one time, maybe you know two or three more times? What is the case for high-yielding stocks in that specific environment?
2: Well, I think that the bond market is telling us something because uh, Fed funds are significantly higher than is the ten-year Treasury. Right. Um, so somebody's wrong. Uh, somebody's got it wrong there so I think what happens is that um, if you look at say like consumer staples which are traditionally really good dividend payers uh, utilities which are good total return stocks and then you look at the really interest sensitive things like um, materials I'm seeing a lot of those end up in what we call our undervalue category um, and if the market does break, I think what will happen is you'll see folks leave the techie non-dividend paying stocks for uh, the higher yielding stocks like, you know, Staples Utilities and, um, you know, Materials. So you're thinking it's, it's dangerous
1: now to go into the magnificent set on the tech stocks and the IPOs are starting to come out now. and bitcoins back over 30,000 and all these speculative things seem to be rising you think that's dangerous that at some point this is going to break and be better positioned to be in the, the slower growth but higher yield stocks now
2: I do you know um, th- those are all really good road marks um, you know when when the market tends to speculate it, it tends to do so indiscriminately <laughs> and they they kind of speculate across a A broad swath and broad spectrum because um, they feel that the environment is there for them to speculate in. Um, But it shows a tremendous uh, lack of knowledge about historical valuations. And you you can't, you know, trees don't grow to the sky. Um, There's going to be something at some point that triggers Um, A moment, I think, where investors stop and stick their finger in the air and and see which way the wind is blowing and realize, you know, we're kind of out on a limb here. Um, It's been nice. It's been fun. It's been entertaining. But let's uh, pull our horns in here and go back to where we know that we can, you know, make a nice return without being out here on the risk curve all by ourselves. So
1: earlier this year, I guess it was
2: in March, there was a big scare uh, relating to the quick failure
1: of Silicon Valley Bank, and then Signature Bank, and then First Republic, and the bank stocks just got hammered, and people thought um, this is the big break, that the rising interest rates are killing these banks, we're going to have many more bank failures, yet regional banks is one of your favorite areas. Why is it that you're willing to go in when everybody thinks the banking sector is going to get murdered here by... Inverted yield curve and losing deposits and everything that's going on in the banking sector.
2: Well, I mean, look, let's just be honest amongst ourselves. The Fed did create this situation uh, by raising rates as fast as they did. Now, <clears throat> the banks um, contributed by going out on the yield curve um, and not taking in consideration that their assets were not in line with their liabilities. I mean, if you've if you've got short-term liabilities and you're holding a bunch of ten-year bonds, and then all of a sudden interest rates go up, well, your ten-year bonds are now underwater. So, um, the Fed did create a um, a facility, and and they love that term facility um, because they're always creating facilities to deal with things that that pop up. And basically, <clears throat> they took the treasury bonds and mortgage-backed bonds that the banks owned um, as collateral and uh, because I mean those, those are going to mature at par um, uh, but they gave them loans against those so that it didn't hurt their uh, liquidity ratios and their capitalization ratios and, and it, uh, it quieted the issue you know so the Fed basically stepped in and, and saved the rear ends of all these regional banks um and now uh jordan it's just it's a matter of looking at each one of them individually uh and seeing you know is their business model sound and i I think there's a handful you know that are um what would be some examples of of regionals that you would
1: like because as you say the, the fed came in i think they valued the bonds and mortgages at par you know even though they may mature many years from now and gave them loans based on not what they're trading at now, but, you know, eventually what they might be worth. That that was quite a big step on the Fed's part to, to do that.
2: Oh, it, it made all the difference in the world, because if all those banks had been forced to mark the market, none of them would have met their capitalization and none of right. them would have met their yeah the ratios. And, and that's what happened out at Silicon Valley and Sovereign. I mean, and you know, they weren't able to go to the market and raise capital. So right. but if you look, there's a there's a bank up in the Northern California area called West America Bancorp, and its uh, symbol is WABC. Um, it's it's really just kind of an old-fashioned bank in that they don't lend money to anybody, and unless they don't need it, that um, they <laughs> uh, they have very very strict and very stringent uh, you know lending requirements, um, and a lot of their deposits are you know like from from uh, companies that, you know, have their checking accounts, which they don't have to pay really any interest on. Uh, so they've got a great base to, to draw off of. And they actually make more money investing than they do in, in lending and in, in loaning. Um, but it's, it's a very conservative, old-school, old-fashioned bank. Um, they got thrown out with the bathwater, which I thought was a, a really... You know, it's one of those uh, things where Wall Street goes, uh, ready, fire, aim. And, um, you know, they made a mistake there. Um, Comerica, as simple as CMA, um, their business basically uh, is mortgages in the sunbelts. You know, California, Arizona, Nevada, Texas, and Florida um, you know, where real estate has just been screaming hot and most of their loans are, um, they floating rates. So they, you know, they're not getting killed, uh, with, uh, this rise in interest rates. So, you know, those would be two that I, I would point out. Very good.
1: All right, we're going to come back. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman with the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Kelly Wright. He's the editor of Investment Quality Trends, which is a newsletter about uh, high-yielding and value-oriented stocks. You can find out more at his website, iqtrends.com. We'll be back after this.
3: Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice
4: America Business Network. Someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners.
0: You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kelly Wright, editor of Investment Quality Trends Newsletter. Uh, The website for that is iqtrends.com. Welcome back to the show, Kelly. Thank you, Jordan. Tell people a little bit about the newsletter, um, how much it costs, and uh, you you talked about the track record a
2: little bit, but what do they get if they subscribe to your newsletter? Okay, so we we publish twice a month on or about the 1st and 15th, depending on holidays and where the the calendar uh, falls. We follow roughly 285 stocks that meet our criteria and that we're able to establish repetitive dividend yield boundaries for, and then we break them into four categories. Um, One is what we call undervalued, and that's where the price is low and the dividend yield is at its historically repetitive high area, and that represents our buying discipline. And then when stocks rise 10% above that, they enter what we call the rising trend, and the rising trend is basically the hold area, and you're, you're waiting for the stock to get to its um, high-price, historically repetitive area of low yield, and that's what we call overvalue, and that's our sell discipline. And then, at some point, those stocks roll over and start to decline, and when they decline at least 10% below the overvalued area, they enter what we call the declining trend, And so between a combination of falling stock prices and raising dividends, they get back to that undervalued area. So we we publish four different categories, undervalued, rising trends, overvalued and declining trends. We have a feature that we call the timely 10 um, because we have a sister company, which is a registered investment advisor where we, we do manage money. Um, We have a process over there that we use to put together portfolios for stocks. So the Timely 10 is just a a snapshot. It's an insight into how we look at our universe and how we pick stocks out of the undervalued category. Um, There's also some just fabulous editorials um, by yours truly. Um, (laughs) We... uh, also, keep a, a long-running track record of what percentage of stocks is in our undervalued category and the other three categories. Um, we, we have a very, very, very long-term indicator that lets us know kind of when the broad market is uh, overvalued, and so we publish that in, in each um, issue, along with our six criterions, which, which I mentioned earlier. Um, and then- it's not unusual for a stock to maybe trade 10% lower than its historical average. It, it, it could be a short-term anomaly. It could be something else. Um, if it trades 20% below that, we try to find the area, you know, the reason why. But if it trades 30% below its, it's long-running uh, high yield, we have a, a feature called Yields to Watch. Um, because these are often uh, companies that are just in like a a one-off area. There's sometimes really, really good opportunities to buy something at an extraordinary low price, high yield, or it could be an early indicator. There's something going on here, and we need to go take a look at it. So you take all that together, um, that's an issue. The first January issue of every year, we publish something called the Lucky 13, and those are just 13 stocks that we think are going to outperform the broad market over a year and a day. Um, we've outperformed the S&P uh, with that portfolio since we started it in 2000. Um, and I think the average annual return for it is pretty close to 12% a year. So um, that, what that's what we uh, offered The timely 10, what has been the re- return of the timely 10 compared to S&P? Timely 10 has been very, very good. We, we tend to be about the 250 to 300 basis points over the, the S&P. Uh, yeah, so it, it's done very well.
1: Let's go into some of your Timely 10. We, we talked before about West America, Bancorp, and Comerica. Uh, you also have uh, some oil companies, or at least one oil company. What would be your favorite in the oil market in, in your Timely 10?
2: Well, interestingly, uh, yeah, it's uh, Imperial Oil Limited, which is um, a Canadian company. Interestingly, they produce most of their output from um, what are called sands. Uh, it, it's an expensive area to produce um, oil from. But if you look under hood, the hood, so to speak, as we call it, um, they are just, they're just printing money there, Jordan. I mean their return on invested capital is is just off the charts. Um, their free cash flow yield um, is very, very high. Um, and, and all free cash flow yield is is if you take um, free cash and you divide it by the, the enterprise value of the company, um, you know that gives you free cash flow yield and and we think that's a, a much, much better, Uh, metric than is the old P.E. ratio because, uh, you know, most companies, well, I think all companies, they report using GAAP accounting, generally accepted accounting principles, G.A.A.P. That was really designed for the bond market and not the stock market. Um, So we're not crazy about GAAP accounting. So we'd like to look at return on invested capital, and free cash flow yield, and then um, things like that. So Imperial Oil is, is just crushing it on, on all those metrics. In general, do you like energy companies now when I mean, they have pretty high yields and consistent yields? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, we're, we've always been big fans. We, we own a lot of uh, Chevron, Exxon, and ConocoPhillips, which technically are in our faded blue area, meaning their quality ranking declined below B+. Plus. Um, this is one of those areas where my friends at CFRA and I kind of have a disagreement um, we understand why their quality rankings dropped because the price of oil dropped down to what What was it $30 or so during the pandemic yeah. um, you know but you know that that wasn't a forever drop in the price of crude and now look it's back up around $75 so yeah. Traditionally, we, we love energy companies, and uh, we don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon.
1: You remember when oil briefly got, went to minus 37 a barrel for a day or so? That? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. That was <laughs> that was a really fun time to be long oil companies. <laughs> they, they, couldn't, they couldn't give it away. They couldn't give it away.
1: Okay. Um, yeah. You also have a company in your Tommy 10 that's in the... Uh, 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 rec- recruitment business, I guess you'd say, executive recruitment. What what company is that and why do you like
2: that one? Oh, uh, I think you're talking about um, uh, Robert, is it Robert Frost? Uh, Robert Half. Yeah, Half. yeah. Half Half. Was, <laughs> Robert Frost was a... Um, he was a
1: very good poet, but he wasn't a very good <laughs> recruiter. <Yes.
2: laughs> yeah, Robert Half International. Um. So... Uh, we're just very number-driven, uh, Jordan. None of this is, is subjective. It's it's very objective. Um, Robert Half's uh, return on invested capital is is 42%. So so what does that mean? It means for every dollar that they've invested in the operating part of the business. So what's that return? And that that's what's called return on invested capital. So that means for every dollar that they're getting a $0.42 cent return, uh, which is out of this world. It's just phenomenal. Uh, their free cash flow yield is 6%, which we just love. Um, and if you look at just all the liquidity measures, they're just firing on all cylinders. They're super attractive. Um, I know it's an industrial stock, but um, we don't really care. As long as the, the numbers are there and the, the, the yield is there, we don't get really emotional about you know, stuff like what sector they're in, etc. Although we do try to diversify uh, across the nine or ten, you know, major sectors as far as possible.
1: So the low unemployment rate would probably be good for Robert Half, making it hard for companies to find talent that they want. Is that the,
2: the thesis behind that? Yeah, um, you know, we, we haven't thought about it that deeply. Um, we've just looked at the numbers and what they're generating in terms of cash flow. But if if you want to understand that macro viewpoint, that's probably a good point um, we know that employers are kind of hoarding employees now because they got they got burnt um, by the pandemic um, so yeah it, and there's a lot of competition uh, matter of fact the my, my trainer that, uh, that I work out with um, his his uh, real workaday job is he's a recruiter um, right. <laughs> and he said that they just it's incredibly competitive um, out there, and they're, they're just working almost 24-7, um, you know, placing people. So, uh, you know, it's a great business to be in. Yeah. Another one
1: of yours is in the self-storage market where people put all the stuff they don't want but
2: can't seem to throw away. What do what you like in that area? <laughs> You're talking about uh, public storage, the yes. symbol of the uh, PSA. Uh, this is a pretty simple thing Um, there's a super high demand and there is a very low supply Um, it's a really great business because you build a box one time and then you just raise rates um, pretty much when you want to because of the high demand Um, the yields are phenomenal the internals are phenomenal. They're just – it seems to be a recession-proof business, um, and people just have more stuff than they have places to put it. So, yeah, we love PSA.
1: Another one is in the biotech space, which is unusual. You wouldn't think that would be in your zone, but what do you have in
2: the biotech space? Well, we got Amgen, AMGN. We also have ABV, A-B-B-V, and, you know, during well, particularly last year. I mean, these were just scorching, and the market loved them. But now that the market is in love with uh, the magnificent seven, you know, things like biotech have kind of gone to to the side, which is fine with us because it puts their their price and their yield in the area that you know that we're interested in. Um, and and with ABV two, I mean, there's this ongoing concern about. They have a drug called Humira, which has been just phenomenal, but they're now facing um, competition uh, from generics. But if you look at AbbVie, I mean, they've got like 150 things in the uh, pipeline, and dozens and dozens and dozens of them are in like phase two and three trials, which means they're uh, proving their efficacy. And they're getting pretty close to coming to the market. And I know for a fact that they've got four or five they think are going to be, you know, billion-dollar-plus generating, um, you know, drugs going out for quite a long time. So, um, yeah, we we love pharmaceuticals and and, and biopharma. That's – and if you look at the demographics, uh, the demand for therapies and drugs for – just a host and range of things is it's there it's not going away anytime soon and they're just really consistent in their earnings and their dividends as we get older we use more drugs i guess that's the way it works you know it's a simple fact
1: we're going to take another break this is jordan goodman of the money answer show my guest this hour is kelly wright he's the editor of investment quality trends a newsletter that follows dividend paying and high yielding stocks
5: own it outright in 5 to 7 years. Call Truth and Equity 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com. 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners.
0: You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
1: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kelly Wright, editor of the Investment Quality Trends newsletter, their website, iqtrends.com. Welcome back to the show, Kelly. Thank you, Jordan. So you've highlighted some particular companies I just want to get to. Two are in the water space. Uh, what are those companies and what do you like about water?
2: Well, um, you know, the, the, the way that our system works is things show up on our radar screen um, when they're, they hit their, their high yield area, what we call undervalued. And that's when we start paying attention to them. So um, we've got a handful of them. Uh, California Water Service would be one. Um, that's in the undervalued area. Um, I think we had American States Water. Is that still there? Uh, uh, okay. So, yeah. Just the fact of the matter is is that um, water utilities they they've got some infrastructure needs. Uh, they're going to have to spend some money to upgrade, and so. You know, Wall Street has kind of said, "Ooh, we don't like it that they got to spend all this money." But if they had looked at the In- Inflation Reduction Act or whatever it was called, um, that the that infra- was infrastructure bill, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the infrastructure bill. There's subsidies from the federal government for like the next twenty-two years, <laughs> um, and they're basically going to pay the water companies to to build out this infrastructure and make the improvements, et cetera. So, yeah, the companies are going to have to spend money, but they're going to get a lot of it from the federal government. So, um, you know, this is a case where, you know, guys, pay attention. You know, Um, this information is not hard to find. Um, And, you know, water, let's face it, uh, everything else can go to Hades in a handbasket, and if you don't have a water supply, you're in trouble. So if you can get a good water utility at a low price and a high yield it's something you're probably going to hold for a long time.
1: And then you have two electric utilities. Uh, what, what
2: are those? Uh, well, we let's see. We have Duke um, probably is, is, is the best-known one. Uh, you know, what happened with them was that they ran into a little bit of trouble on, a, on an environmental basis um, a while back. But they've, um, it looks like they've settled all that and they've made reparations and the thing with them and let me see Black Hills I think is another one and there's WEC and there's a handful that that we follow here Um, they're all making a big push to get away from fossil fuel uh, you know and they're going to you know the green energy you know wind geothermal etc etc solar and once again that inflation reduction Act or the infrastructure act whichever act it was there's huge subsidies coming to these companies for like the next 22 years um which is going to basically pay for all of this necessary infrastructure spending and and to change them from you know fossil oriented towards green oriented um so that that's all very well and good you know from a social cultural standpoint what we like about them jordan is they're at their low price high yield area and That's really the straw that stirs our drink is that, you know, if a company meets our criteria and they're in that low price, high yield area, um, we're going to take a good look at them. And since we're into diversification, it doesn't matter to us whether it's an electric utility, a water utility, an an industrial stock, uh, materials, financials, tech. We don't we just, you know, we're bottom up. Um, type of an investor we we take what Mr. Market gives us when he gives it to us uh, rather than trying to come up with a top-down you know worldview as well we think this is going to happen over the next 12 18 whatever months and so then we like this sector and then we look for now we would rather say wow Mr. Market has handed me this this great company in this sector at this price and this yield thank you can i have another and and that's really the way we operate would you in general recommend people reinvest dividends or take the dividends and invest in other stocks if as long as the company is still in what we would call the undervalued area which is within 10% of their uh, of their high yield then we we yeah that's fine reinvest once it gets into what we call the rising trend then we would prefer to take the dividends in cash and then allocate them where we want to, um, you know, into another stock. Or then if the company falls back into the undervalued area, then we can buy more, more shares of it. You also have a page in the newsletter about dividend increases. Is
1: that something you're looking for as companies that are raising their dividends consistently?
2: Absolutely. When you look in, uh, in our newsletter, you're going to see next to the name of the company, uh, some of them have a a capital G um, and what that represents is that's a company that's had a minimum of a 10 percent annual dividend increase for the last 10 consecutive years. Um, In in our mind, that's what we call a growth stock, is a company that has that type of a, a dividend increase track record. Uh, we, we have another one that's a small g, and what that represents is that, yeah, on a 10-year basis, they've averaged a 10% uh, annual dividend increase, but in the nearby years, meaning three and five uh, years, that increase has slowed. Um, so what that tells us is that the big, in, the big dividend increases were like 10, nine, eight years ago, but they've been slowing. So it's just a a way for our subscribers to take a look in and see uh because hey if you if you've got a, a great company and it's got a great quality ranking uh low price high yield and they have a great track record of raising their dividends at least 10 percent a year that's a recipe that tends to do very very well for you long term
1: in general what are some areas that are overvalued now you have what you call the selling area You've got a whole list of them, but in general, what kind of stocks are overvalued according to your uh,
2: Well, let me take a look here real quick and just to see the, the overvalued area is surprisingly is not huge right now. But uh, industrials, um, information technology, it looks like yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of industrials and interesting. Um, there's some healthcare stocks. There's actually, Jordan, there's a smattering of everything, which um, is interesting to us. So, what that tells me is that the market just likes specific companies. Like, you know, let's take Novartis, for example. Um, Novartis is something we were in love with at the uh, beginning of the year because it was at its low price, high yield area. Uh, it's exploded. And gone up, and it hit its high price, low yield. So boom, it's in the overvalued area. Um, wow! Here's one, McDonald's Corp. Now think about this: the greatest REIT in the world. Um, and every time I say that, everyone says, "Kelly, McDonald's is not a REIT." Yeah, they really are. <laughs> they they own the greatest real estate that there is. They just also happen to sell, you know, hamburgers and other stuff. Um, but McDonald's has a phenomenal track record for raising their dividends. So I, I understand why, why people uh, went into that, but they've now driven the price too high. Um, <laughs> we have five minutes to
1: go, Kelly. So just briefly kind of summarize how your technique of investing is going to outperform the other kind of trend following, hype chasing kind of you know trends that most people follow these days
2: well you know what we do jordan is is very total return oriented you know total return obviously capital appreciation plus dividends plus dividend increases so long established high quality companies with long-term track records they're just very consistent they tend to grow higher than the rate of inflation and then you add their dividends on top of that, um, they're outperforming the rate of inflation on a very consistent basis. Um, Because what we do is not trendy and because it's not momentum-oriented, it's just very solid, consistent. uh, It's blocking and tackling. And at the end of the day, if you can beat the rate of inflation by, say, 5%, 6%, And you do it year in and year out and you compound um, at that rate. There's not a lot of things that you're not going to outperform because we just don't have the wild swings of sentiment and momentum that other approaches do. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour
1: has been Kelly Wright, editor on Investment Quality Trends, their website, iqtrends.com. Thanks so much, Kelly. Appreciate all your insights. And we'll be back next week. With another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now.
0: Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com and be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.